Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The UN votes in favor of a ceasefire in Iraq and the Gulf War. Los Angeles police officers severely beat a motorist, Rodney King. It later leads to riots, and Exxon pays $1 billion in fines and cleanup for the Valdez oil spill. This is March of 1991. You're listening to What the Rip. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. And Rob brings this classic Southern rock album. So, why did I pick this? What, Rob? Why did you pick this? I've developed an appreciation for this group and their music the older I get. At the time this came out, these songs got played a lot. I would change the station. And plus, I really wasn't a big fan of Southern rock and certainly not country music. I was into alternative and grunge and 80s renaissance, but these guys kind of crossed over into that a little bit. We had Eric Von Hessler from WSB present this group in episode number 76. It was from October 1986, and that was Guard But Smarter, the first album by Driving and Crying. You may recall that this is one of Eric's favorite bands, and in fact, he directed and produced a documentary on Driving and Crying called Scarred But Smarter. And that kind of opened me up to it, so I am covering Fly Me Courageous, their fourth album, which came out in January of 1991, and this was their biggest success as an album. I was I was thinking this is the one that really put them on the map, wasn't it? Their previous album was Mystery Road, and they had Honeysuckle Blue and Straight oh, yeah, to Hell. I remember that. So that got a lot of airplay. This is the title track, Fly Me Courageous. And this song made it to number 15 in March of 1991. Because it coincided with what? I believe that'd be the Gulf War. Oh, yeah. That, too. I was going to say my twins, Andrew and Jessica, were born in March of 1990. <laughs> oh, yes. That's true. Well, fly you courageous for sure. Yeah, this, was, this came out during the Gulf War. And, in fact, Kevin Kinney, who you're hearing, lead vocalist, he said the song's about being courageous enough to confront and challenge ideas of war and aggression. It turned out to be taken as a pro-war song, and that kind of bothered me. And some people banned it because they thought it was too anti-war. We wrote it before the war, about the Cold War finally coming to an end, and before the Persian Gulf War started happening, we just got caught up in the middle of it. What is, who does his voice sound like to you? If you, had to, if, you, if, if you had to compare him to somebody, who would it be? He's, it's pretty unique to me, but what yeah. do you think, John? I'm trying to think. I remember hearing this for the first time. In, I was in, I think, 10th grade, maybe 9th grade, and I was listening to the radio, and I'm trying to think because I heard this, and I was wrong about who the band was when I, when I heard it on the radio. 
Well, I may be able to give you give you some thoughts there as we keep going. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I like the way this one starts off. With the people of these united rights, in order to form a more perfect union, find that we find the common ground have absolutely nothing in common at all. Get used to this is The Innocent. I love how it starts off. It sounds like he's reading the Constitution, but it gets rocking. Now, the first one was a hit. I, I mean, Fly Me Courageous was a great song. I don't know how much of a national hit was. This was played quite a bit also, but I'm assuming it's more locally. But Driving and Crying is a southern-based rock group that really got most of their stars, they didn't explode until the next, not explode, but they didn't get national, you know, push until the next album was called Smoke. This album was huge. This was their biggest success. But Kevin Kenny is guitar and vocals. Yeah. That's who you hear there. Burn Fowler on guitar, Tim Nielsen on bass guitar, and then Jeff Sullivan at this time was on drums and percussion. But Kevin Kenny, which I love, he has no I in Kevin. He was born in Milwaukee. He moved to Atlanta in 1985, and he formed this band with Tim Nielsen, the bass player, and their first drummer, whose name was Paul Lenz. And Nielsen and Lenz were in a band called the Night Porters. Yeah, it was a punk rock group, if I remember right. I remember. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That's who okay. I thought this was. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, that, absolutely. I'm going to bring him up a little later. Okay. Not related to them. But you're right. It is a little bit like Tom Petty. Yeah. Kenny, his first job when he came to Atlanta was working at the sewage treatment plant down there. Uh-huh. Isn't that funny? Uh-huh. I thought that was interesting. So, in 1987, Lenz was replaced by a drummer named Jeff Sullivan, who was with a band called Mr. Crow's Garden. You know who that band Ended up being Black Crows, wasn't it? Yeah, the Black what Crows. I guess, yeah. And I always get driving and crying confused with the Black Crows. Like when I try to think of their name, I almost always say the Black Crows. I can see that too. I can totally see that. Yeah, I just, I, it's just a funny, it's a glitch in the matrix in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I love this Black Crows song. I'm like, it's not the Black Crows. What's their name? What's their name? And I'll eventually come up with it. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've heard this song, but I forgot how good this song, the, the Driving Crying album was. Well, I mean, this is, if you consider it, a driving song. You can feel that just the beat, and you, like you said, it's very Tom Petty-ish type, you know, the, the beat, you're just running down the road, you know. It's not much of a crying song. No, no not yet. No, not yet. This, uh, this album really marked a departure from the country-sounding you know, Southern rock and getting more into rock. Oh, their next album was a nationally released album, uh, Smoke, and it was, it's very hard rock. It is very, very hard rock. Yeah. So it's a great album, too. This feels more, this feels more like a throwback to me. The, uh, you know, you've got the, the, the power chords like you would have in the early rock era. I mean, this has a lot of different feel to it, I think, and like I said, it, it kind of crossover from country to rock is pretty evident. 
I mean, it's got a it's got a simple drum line, but I mean, it's a really solid. I love the beat. I love the feel of the bass. I know Kevin Kenny does a lot of stuff on his own too, so he's got his solo work out there. Listen to the beginning of this and think about who it sounds like. I thought it could sounded a little bit like maybe like Rolling Stones. And then I thought maybe Rod Stewart. That's who I was thinking. Did Rod you think Stewart. that? Yep, that's what I was thinking. It's called Around the Block Again. It made me think a little bit too of maybe the outfield and kind of the feel of it okay. a little. But they've been referred to as bluegrass or jangle pop, but I think this one's more rock. This sounds like you're sitting on a beach in the sunset going down in the in the mid nineties and yep. just uh, enjoying the waves crashing yeah. in front of you, man. Yeah. It's, it works, doesn't it? Back in the 2010s, I was construction sales, and I was doing some cold calling, and I rolled up on this job site, and there's this, you know, builder out there, and I'm talking to him, and, and hey, I'd like to see some building materials and everything, and, you know, and he was talking about, you know, they had some music going on, and he goes, man, you got some great music. You know, he goes, yeah, it's off my iPad, and, you know, or iPod at the time, and he goes, yeah, I got about... 15,000 songs on there. I used to be a musician. You might have heard I'm Till Nilsson from a bassist at Driving and Crying. I'm going, oh, my goodness, I got smoke on my iPad also. And, and he goes, he was real impressed. He ended up buying materials from me. Became friends. Uh, Tim's, you know, been part of the group since the beginning. What was funny is, you know, after a while, these people have to go and actually get real jobs after being musicians. Sure. He became a builder. And the thing is, is they've gotten a renaissance back. And literally, all they do is tour. They're going to Europe, everywhere else. I, every time he comes into town, I usually go to a concert. And he's just going, hey, wait, man, come on over here, you know, backstage or wherever else. Tim's a great guy. But he's the one, he took over management of, of Driving and Crying yeah. now. And back at this time, they would book the Fox out for entire four days. And they would do each album and then the best of afterwards. Oh, so wow. That, was, yeah, that sounds I, fun. Yeah. Great people. Great guys. They're out there still. Go out and see Driving and Crying. You're going to have fun. It's a hard, great rocking group. It's not. It's just your traditional rock group. It's yeah, not I, a. I have not seen them live, but I uh, think that might be coming up. Let's do it. Well, Going Straight to Hell was covered. Oh, golly. Uh, I forget who it Darius was. Darius Rucker? Darius Rucker, yeah, just recently. So they got some publicity from that. But, yeah, that's a great song, too. I mean. <laughs> well, Hootie and the Blowfish action, huh? Yeah. But he he pulled in more of a country version. So they really, you know, picked it up, got going on this one for sure, really fast. Here we go to the end. Lovely. All right, so for my fourth one, this got a lot of airplay as well. 
And to me, this could have been inspired by the Ramones or maybe the Kinks. It's got a little bit of a punk feel. This is Build a Fire. Well, Steppenwolf kind of intro kind of sound. As I mentioned, Kenny grew up in Milwaukee, and he was following bands like MC5, the New York Dolls, uh, Patti Smith, and the Ramones. Okay, so that was his whole background. He had his own punk band in Milwaukee called The Prosecutors. Uh, I read this article called Kenny is Driving Straight Down the Rock Road. It was in the Orlando Sentinel in May of 1991, so right after this came out. And... uh, he, he said the band decided to go for a more straight-ahead sound on Fly Me Courageous. Kenny says, we put up signs in the studio saying, no country. Uh, I really gave it my best go, but people didn't like it. The rock people didn't want to hear that country song on their record, and the same thing with the country people, so it split everybody up. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. He says, the thing I've got to stress is, the band live has always sounded like this record, Fly Me Courageous. Yeah. But when we got into the studio, we couldn't get that across. It took us taking stock of ourselves and to not be afraid to make a record that sounds like us. I forget where they, they this lifted from a, a, a song. I'm trying to remember where this was lifted from. But yeah. There's a lot of songs that have that kind of shuffle beat. Yeah. This is considered one of their... They got four songs they always play, and this is one of them. Obviously, Fly Me Courageous, Going Straight to Hell, Honeysuckle Blue is another one. They play several songs off of Smoke also, but those are their four really, really big songs. Is this still the original the original crew? Just Yeah, the original. Kevin Kenny really is the head of it. Uh, they just like traded said, out the drummer. Drummer. I think the second guitarist also yeah. is traded out too, but, but Tim Nielsen, he's the manager slash bassist, and he's been there the entire time. He's also, uh, if you look at the documentary that was done, we talked about early on, he's also the enforcer. So, you know, if they didn't get paid, he's coming after you. <laughs> Man. I just like the, the way he kind of just takes it, changes pace a little bit with the way he's singing. I love the, the, the kind of staccato kind of feel to the, to the music. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Here you got a little, uh, just a little rap, maybe. Yeah. That that talking in the middle of your song kind of thing. That was more of like a '60s kind of. Yeah. Like Jimmy Jimi Hendrix kind of. And this ends with a real crash here, and I love it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Well done, sir. Ah, nice. Thanks for that one. All right, now we're going to our entertainment track, which is brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. Hey, wrong decade. How is this an entertainment track, you might be asking? What was going on in March of 1991? How dare you, sir? The film by Oliver Storm. It was The Doors with Val Kilmer as the singer, Jim Morrison, and the whole group. I don't know. If you guys seen that action, it's pretty trippy. It is. Yeah. I saw it when it, when it came out. I saw it in the theaters. I'd say that's Val Kilmer's second greatest role. 
Chase. Oh, it's the Wait, oh, so that's number one. Doc Holliday, man. <laughs> Doc <laughs> Holliday, number one, but you, you, I'm you your Huckleberry. Go Iceman for two. Iceman, I, Iceman, I'd put it three. And then Batman for three. <laughs> Come we're on. Gonna, we're not going to talk about Batman, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, also in a uh, film of March of 1991, The Hard Way, it was a buddy cop action movie with Michael J. Fox and James Wood. And I don't remember seeing that, but it actually made some money. Yeah, I remember that a little bit. The movie Nikita from France, if you guys remember that, that was actually a kind of a, a hit woman type thing. Yeah, she was a she was an assassin, right? Yeah. And yeah. it was it was released in the United States at this time. It was released year earlier in France, but and then they remade it, I think, here in, in the United States. New Jack City. Oh, yeah. The black action crime film taking place in New York I City. Lo- I love that movie. Was that uh, Whoopi Goldberg in that? Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg plays the main... No. No, no, no. no. It's uh, um, <laughs> Mick Jagger. Yeah, Mick Jagger. Yeah, it's Mick a sci-fi Jagger. thing, no, isn't it? No, no. This is... No, that's Free this Jack. Free Jack City. That's Free Jack, isn't it? All I right. don't know. All right, a comedy. Defending Your Life. That is really a very good dark comedy. Uh, it's written, starred, and directed by Albert Brooks. It really, that's one of those classic movies you got to go see. Uh, the Academy Awards came out, and Dancing with Wolves won with uh, Kathy Kevin Bates. Costner. Yeah. Kathy Bates and Jeremy Irons also won. I can't believe we're playing Break On Through the Other Side as the entertainment track. <laughs> the British Film and Television Awards gave Goodfellas the best film. Goodfellas is an amazing film. Yeah. If you haven't seen that film, go watch it. You think we should have played the soundtrack to Goodfellas, huh? We should have. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're moving on to our staff picks, and we're kicking it off with Wayne. What you got for us, Wayne? Guys, here's an all-female group out of Los Angeles. This is the second song we've had featured from them, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm loving that. This Sound. is L7, American Society. L7 is so underrated for how good they actually were. I agree. In the early 90s at this time, I was starved for good rock, and I would buy tons of compilation independent CDs, and I found this band and this song on one of them. It's on the indie label Sub Pop. And if you guys remember Sub Pop, that's where Nirvana got their start. Yep, yep, sure do. They're associated with the grunge music. I mean, come on. This is <laughs> this is that grunge. Some people call them the female Nirvana. They were more like they were more like the uh, down the coast grunge from <laughs> from the Seattle grunge. Grunge down south. The the southern grunge. Some people think that Polly from Nirvana was stolen from this group because of the way that kind of the Donna, the Donna, it's an E minor G D C, but Polly's E minor G D A. So Polly want a cracker? Yeah, exactly. That's a great song. I, I I definitely don't think it was stolen though. It's a completely different sound. It's got some griminess of the of the grunge, but it's still crisp and clear. And listen to that, man. Kind of blister on the guitar there. This is a cover song, though. Is it? Eddie and the Subtitles. It's a punk band out of Orange County, California. Initially did this in the in the early 80s. So, I mean, I can see this tying into uh, Driving and Crying in a way. Yeah. With that 
kind of that punk undertone. There's a documentary film out there with these L7. It's called Pretend We're Dead. It premiered in 2016. You, you know you know who this, like, if you really listen, this reminds me a little bit of Hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I, I covered Hole a long time ago, back in the day, but yeah. Yeah, I think you're albums. right. Got kind of the, 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 the bouncy beat to it and, yeah. like, uh, the, the the synchronicity of the, the, the bass with the, the voice. And she played bass, right? Yeah, she did, yeah. yeah. I was thinking Joan Jett, but I'm not sure if it's because it sounds like Joan Jett or if it's just the female lead uh, sound. I think I think you're right. I think it's because of the heavy bass. That, I love rock that and Joan roll yeah. too. Yeah. I saw these girls in Lollapalooza in 1994. Did you so, really? Yeah. Excellent. So, yeah. I mean, I I attended. I mean, for the first, I think, eight years of Lollapalooza, I went to every single one of those and had a blast. Lollapalooza was a place where you could see bands yeah. that, like, you, you you could not see at any other time of the year. Like, the bands that would not come to Atlanta. And they're playing 45 minutes. They're not playing the full set. So yeah. you got to a taste of them. And what was neat about Lollapalooza is they had two side stages on each side of the venue. And so usually it was an outdoor venue. So... The concert would go on. Then would they get local bands to play on each side, and you can kind of pick. And I had a bunch of local bands I like to see too, so I'd go over, you know, during the you know 30-minute break or 20-minute break between bands. Yeah, I had a great time at that. But yeah, that was L7, American Society. Pretend We're Dead is another song that I covered in episode 40. So if you want to hear that one, let's keep the punk rock going. That's right. Uh oh. Wait, wait, a, wait, what? Huh? This? Oh, this is definitely punk rock. This is grunge, my <laughs> friends. <laughs> At its finest. <laughs> this is the first single off Sting's third studio album, The Soul of Cages. And it's called All This Time. And you probably heard this. It, it was played everywhere at the time. I had this CD. It's a good CD. And I remember listening to it at home right before the twins were born and then when they were born and just makes me think about that this album does yeah so there was a pretty good gap between sting's second and third album his father died in 1997 and he developed writer's block uh shortly 97 or 87 i'm sorry uh 87 87 and he developed writer's block he had a, a kind of a tumultuous relationship with his father, and it surprised him how it hit him when he died because he was like, "What should I? Why should I care?" He didn't think it would. Right, exactly. Yeah. But he had—he really struggled with it, and then he wrote the song "Why Should I Cry for You," and that after that, the album kind of came together, and a lot of the album is about the death of his father. Oh, I love this line right here. That's it. Wow. That is good. That is Talking good. about the priests coming over, and it was a, like two priests, and one or, one's going to teach the other one kind of how to do this, and he compares them to a murder of crows. I just I love that imagery. But uh, he had, um, he also, during this time, was kind of thinking about his hometown and growing up in, uh, in the area. It was, um, he grew up in um, Newcastle. And it had been a big shipbuilding area, so you hear in the album a lot of things about 
you know, the old industrial yeah, yep. uh, sections of England. Did any of y'all seen Sting either with the police or oh, by yeah. himself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, did you, the, with the police, was it the reunion or the initial run in the 80s? Both. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, the Synchronicity album is probably yeah. an album we need to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, we've already done one police album, but that synchronicity just oh, yeah. the doors oh, off yeah. everything. Yeah. It was a really good album. The idea of this is that during all of this, uh, with his father dying, the river just continues, and he uses the river as the as a an imagery for you know things just continue going. Well, I stole that from Bruce Springsteen. Could have done it. You could you can almost hear the mournful tones. I mean, in yeah, this song, it's right? interesting. I mean, even though it's in a major key, yeah, you definitely get that poignant feel, don't you? Yeah, you can you can feel the pain that, that someone would feel when they wrote this song. I mean, honestly, it's beautiful. Yeah. How long how long between the police and him releasing? I mean, he, it wasn't that long between no. him believing the police and him releasing. Yeah, the they, yeah, they had a big breakup after Synchronicity. They were kind of going back and forth um, with solo projects that they were yeah. working on. Yeah. Dream of the Blue Turtles was his first one, and it came out. I don't know that the police had officially broken up, but it would have been like Synchronicity probably came out 83, and Dream of the Blue Turtles was about 85. But have you noticed that with rivers, uh, this is a little trivia bit, that the names of the rivers typically follow a name that, that predates the culture that's around them. I mean, I think about, like here in, in Georgia, the Chattahoochee, that's an old Indian name. Yep. And yep. the river in, uh, in Newcastle is the Tyne, and that's... That goes back to the Celts, or maybe even older. They're not really sure. You are you are currently wearing a shirt about a very famous river. Yes, yes, I'm wearing my Styx shirt. Also a band happens to be. It, it, indeed, and that's a very, very old river. That is a very, very old river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on, we're on this side of that river, though. <laughs> For a while, at least. Well, we're always on this side of that yeah. river. <laughs> that was beautiful, man. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. It's not like hard rock but it brought me back so now we're going to go on to mr lynch what do you have for us here john well one of one of my favorite artists in the late 90s and this is uh when he kind of got bigger and famous and he won a bunch of grammys was lenny kravitz baby it ain't over till it's over i know it's not i know it's not rock so but I, I bring, I want to bring, you know, a little bit different sometimes. Lenny Kravitz crosses a lot of he, genres. He definitely though. has some rock songs. Yeah, we've um, covered him a number of times uh, in terms of staff picks. But this is good. I haven't heard this in a while. Fun fact: Lenny Kravitz, cousin of Al Roker. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, he yeah. sure is. Yeah, he's second cousins with Al Roker. Uh, Grew up in New York. Um, his his dad was a, a writer and a screenplay guy. I think they got him a guitar when he was like yeah. five or he, something. He, he was a prodigy. Yeah. So he was like at, like almost out of the womb uh, playing music. Picked up any instrument almost immediately could play it. Um, Heather and I went and saw him live. 
And I'm telling this guy, this guy puts on a performance, man. Just beautiful. Very tight. You got you a know? smooth, soulful sound. The production is well, great. It's, it's got a reggae feel, though. He's he's doing that offbeat stuff. So you're, it's not hitting that main beat. So it, 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 he's kind of changed that. He did that with the with American Woman. He did that with several songs. Well, he's got this. He's got this kind of uh, '70s uh, soulful like personality. So, like, what you're hearing is just a, just a reflection of his personality. This is this is who he is. I, I'm just visualizing that he's listening to when he was a kid, listening to all this stuff, and his parents going, yeah. "Here, try this on the on the guitar." And it, 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 they're playing the Motown, the soul music. Yeah, he was, and he was born in '62, I think. Yeah, so uh, it's my age. Yeah. yeah. So he, I mean, he's just he's just a when when in, in the concerts he's just talking to, I mean, between between sets and stuff or between uh, songs he's talking about you know hey you know I did this I met these people over here they're super cool everybody's love and 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 it's it's a very seventies vibe about this guy interesting I just looked it up um as Brian would say the fount of all truth and knowledge Wikipedia and. This is actually an original song oh, it by is. Kravitz. What? It is, but it is inspired from oh, Motown. Oh, that's what it yeah. is. Right? It's a Earth Motown. Went spe- specifically, That's the Way of the World by Earth, Wind, and Fire was a big inspiration. Oh, that's what it is. Because I knew it was Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I it thought, sounds I thought like it was it a cover it. of Earth, Wind, and Fire. That bam, bam, bam. Yeah. You know, that's all pure. Yeah. Yeah. Throwback, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It is. And it's, it, it, is a, it's a relaxing song. Like you said, peace, love, harmony kind of stuff. Yeah. Baby, it ain't over till it's over. You know who said that? Who said yeah, that? Yeah, uh, Bluto, didn't he? Yogi. Yogi. Oh. oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> now, I that's a fount of all knowledge right Yogi there. Berra. Yogi Berra. I thought it was from uh, Animal House. Animal House, yeah. <laughs> that's probably true as well. Probably didn't say it nearly as smoothly as this, though. That's true. All right, top hits of March of 1991. Someday, Mariah Carey. One more try, Timmy T. Show me the way, Sticks. I did not like that song. Coming out of the dark, Gloria Estefan, and all this time, Sting. All right, we're going to move back to our original presenter. Yeah. And Rob's got... His staff pick. I want you to listen to this, and if if you automatically know who it is, don't yell it out. But who do you think this is from 1991? It could be R.E.M. That's what I thought. It sounds a lot like R.E.M. Yeah, I was thinking it has a jangle pop sound, doesn't it? Listen to the voice. Tom Petty. Yeah, Tom, yeah it could be Tom yeah, Petty. Yeah, that's true. This is Roger McGuinn, and the yeah. song is Someone to Love, and Roger McGuinn was the lead singer of The Birds. So this was... Okay. This was... Uh, he had a solo album in 81, then he had this album back from Rio, his sixth studio album. He's singing, and he's also playing a 12-string electric guitar. Very talented in terms of guitar playing. I respect the 12-string play, man. I respect it. That's tough. 
getting those fingers on two <laughs> two strings each time. That seems like it's you, a unnecessary torture. Do any of you remember this from 1991? I don't. It's I don't vaguely, either. It's vaguely familiar to me. It was. Was it a hit or was it? So this song made it to number 12 okay. on the mainstream rock chart. And the biggest hit from this album was called King of the Hill, and it made it to number two. On King of the Hill, he was singing with Hank Hill, Tom Petty. Oh, well, that makes sense because Tom Petty. I was going to say Tom Petty did a bunch of bird songs uh, on okay. his album, so it, it kind of meshes, and I can understand that now. The album is back from Rio. And on this album, you hear Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and you hear David Crosby and Chris Hillman, and some of the other songs on the album were written by Elvis Costello, and also Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics. Oh, yeah. That's, that's awesome. So you, this guy was very well connected. Surprised he didn't get invited to be in the Traveling Wilburys. I mean, come on, he's... <laughs> well, when he was uh, young, he saw George Harrison play a 12-string Rickenbacker, Rickenbacker in the film A Hard Day's Night. And he said, I want to do that. So he picked it up. Unfortunately for him, that role had already been cast. Yeah. So he had to just play it by himself. He met his bandmates in Los Angeles. He was raised in Chicago, but he had a successful solo career with 10 albums total. Wow. Yeah. I want to say the Birds broke up in the late 60s, and then he started off on his own. So, anyway, I, I played it, and I thought, you know what? That's something I hadn't heard in a long time. That's neat. Hope Beautiful you enjoyed song. it. So now we're going to move on to... What's typically either uh, instrumental or laugh track, and this is going to be a laugh track. Maybe. <laughs> Eventually when we get to it. Now, there was a guy that was on MTV all the time, and he was a son of, a, of the person that won, ran the comedy store, and this is Polly Shore. And the song is Lisa Lisa, the one I adore. But he was the weasel, if you remember. The weasel. He was on MTV about uh, every five minutes. Yeah, uh, especially those uh, spring break things. Yeah. Then he just started showing up in movies, like yeah. the MTV, those MTV produced movies. Like he was in like every third one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, music of March of 1991. Rock for the Rainforest Benefit concert held in Carnegie Hall with Sting and Elton John. Seven members of Reba McIntyre's band are killed in a plane crash. I didn't know about that one until I saw that. Michael Jackson signs a $1 billion deal. $1 billion. With Sony Records. Tragedy, Eric Clanton's four-year-old son Connor dies after falling 49 stories from a New York apartment window. I didn't remember it being that far. Yeah. And wow. It would inspire the song Tears in Heaven. You guys remember that? Yep. I adore you. The Black Crows were dropped from an opening act for the ZZ Top. 
for repeatedly insulting the tour sponsor, Miller Beer. <laughs> Imagine that. Was that the, the Black Crows or driving and crying? <laughs> exactly. Leo Fender, the inventor of the electric guitar, dies at 81. A few albums that came out. Uh, I'll just go up to the, the, the name. This song is terrible. It is. <laughs> I mean, good. it is terrible. <laughs> Tolly Shore is not a good we're, singer. We're, we're sorry, Mr. Shore. <laughs> All right, albums. Morrissey. I'm not. Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. He the, hasn't made an appearance yet. The Bullet Boys. Rick Astley. R.E.M. Gary Newman. The Godfathers. I did one of their albums a while back. The Rhythmics. George Strait, Bob Dylan, Mr. Big, and Rod Stewart all had albums out in March of 1991. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff? <laughs>